On the heels of an eventful holiday weekend, we welcome you to another episode of Bet to Win. I'm Joe Fan, holding it down. I'm remote. I'm up here in Seattle, spending an extra day with some friends and family here in the crisp air of the Pacific Northwest. Uh, no Claudia today. She's sick, and so we're wishing her uh, to get well soon, hoping her, uh, hoping to have her back running point on Thursday. Hope you had a fantastic Thanksgiving. Uh, we haven't seen you. I haven't recorded since last Monday. It's been a week. Um, if you haven't checked it out yet, last Wednesday we released a special episode with Chad Ochocinco. Uh, that interview is up, so after you listen to this episode, make sure you go back and check that out as well. Some really fun nuggets um, from Ocho as he was in Vegas and was kind enough to stop by the Blue Wire Studios. And it's been an eventful week for your boy. Uh, we recorded the show on Monday. Uh, on Tuesday, I went and watched my Zags at T-Mobile Arena, uh, watched them dismantle the UCLA Bruins, which was a ton of fun. Um, on Thursday, and maybe my favorite part of Thanksgiving is the fact that people are kind of nomadic on Thanksgiving. I think everyone tries to maybe make a home for, for Christmas if you celebrate, uh, but sometimes Thanksgiving is just impossible to get back to wherever you're from should you live. And, and as someone who has worked in sports for a while and has moved around to, to Nashville and the Bay Area and uh, was down in Southern California for school, I've had many a Thanksgiving not at home, and so I'm usually kind of taken in wherever I can find a home on the day. And uh, my guy, Jordan Harris, uh, general manager of Blue Wire Studio in the win, uh, was kind enough to let me break bread with him and his family. He made a, an excellent feast. He's a former college hooper, so I got to dust off the jumper and shoot some hoops with him in his backyard. Um, and it was just a great day all the way around. So big shout out to Jordan. Um, and again, hope all of you had very safe travels, um, a wonderful Thanksgiving, wonderful uh, holiday weekend in general, where you got some downtime, watch some sports, eat uh, eat good, uh, and spend some time around loved ones. Um, on Friday, the reason why I didn't go home for, for Thanksgiving, the actual day, is because I was at the match that was at the Wynn Resort Golf Course, um, which, A, I need to play ASAP. This property is immaculate. Like Every blade of grass felt manicured to perfection. Um, and it was cool to be there. It's a made-for-TV event. So there's only 200 to 300, you know, VIPs there, and I was lucky enough to be among them. Um, but it was fun. I mean, Phil Mickelson's there. Charles Barkley is there. Obviously, Brooks and Bryson and the the match that it's sort of setting up like a boxing match. And that's kind of how these uh, – this is the fifth one. They've all been a, a ton of fun. It was neat because we couldn't really walk with everybody. So you kind of see them in bits and pieces. But on the first tee box, I was – right behind the first tee and they went from the driving range which was just like basically hitting balls down one of the fairways there's no driving range at the course um to the first tee box but they got there early they got there around 12 50 pacific time and the the the, the broadcast didn't start till once they had some time to kill and you really got to see just kind of how different they are which is why they i don't think the hate is real if you gave either of them a choice of like who would you like to spend some time with on tour neither of them would choose each other bryson's having good conversation and having some fun with the people there brooks is kind of keeping to himself doing his own thing he goes on and dominates uh bryson what was like three and two um they didn't even finish the round so uh a butt kicking there for the match then i got home uh, it's been a really nice uh, couple of days here with family and friends that I haven't seen in a couple of months since moving to Vegas. Um, let's get into the meat of the show. As I know, uh, you guys are stop talking and telling stories, but uh, it's been a fun week, and I want to catch you guys up with what's been happening in my life. Certainly a busy week in the sports world as well. Um, let's discuss uh, my victory laps and the L's that I need to hold. There are a couple of each. 
Um, let's start with the victory laps. And I want to be brief on these. My guy, Matoy Pearson, uh, sent over some games that were good for the book and bad for the book. And we're going to get into those uh, here shortly. Um, but my victory laps were getting the Bengals at minus three and a half against the Steelers and the Patriots minus seven. I was actually surprised to hear that these games were good for the book because to me, they were just chalk plays. The Steelers are an embarrassing team. They've been bad largely all season. And uh, the Patriots have been one of the best teams in the AFC all season, but especially of late now are one of the odds on favorites to win the AFC against the Titans team. that's just decimated by injuries without Derrick Henry, uh, AJ uh, Brown and Julio Jones, Ryan Tannehill is not playing good football right now, but also has just nobody to throw to the turnovers were immense yesterday. Um, and then my L's and I'll go a little bit more in depth on these uh, the Panthers plus one at the Dolphins. Uh, I I'd w- I ran it back with the Panthers because I said I believed in them after they beat the Cardinals. I bought in, um, and I didn't want to bail after just one game when they lost to Washington. Because I said, oh, you know what, Cam Newton played good in, in that football game. He played well. The defense regressed a bit, but they'll figure it out. They played they played pretty well all year. Well, I was wrong. Cam Newton was heinous. 5 of 21, 92 yards, no touchdowns, two picks, ultimately benched. And it's just sort of funny. The Dolphins have now won four in a row. Tua has been back for three of those games, uh, the Ravens game, the Jets game, and now the Panthers game. In those three contests, he's got four total touchdowns, just one pick. Um, and it's just sort of like, okay, not so fast. This is a team that just well, a month or two ago was entertaining the idea of bringing on the baggage of Deshaun Watson and uh, and like moving on from Tua already. And, you know, the embarrassment of, you know, sort of like this Greg taking Greg Oden, the Blazers taking Greg Oden above uh, Kevin Durant, um, them passing on Justin Herbert in favor of Tua. Um, and so he still, I think he's just kind of the game manager that that I think is, is serviceable, but at least has shown signs of, despite having a bad offensive line and very limited targets, even though I, I will say Jalen Waddell has been balling out of late, 100 yards and a touchdown in that game yesterday against the Panthers. Um, it, maybe it is worth it to take a beat and just say, hey, Tua might be okay. It's sort of funny how we do that, especially with rookie quarterbacks. You know, I think Zach Wilson's going through the same thing, Trevor Lawrence maybe to a lesser degree in Jacksonville, but you want them to be great immediately. And then when they're not, you know, we, we throw out the B word, bust, uh, so quickly. And I'm, I mean, we as in sports fans, especially when it's our team. It's sort of funny, especially when you, these first round quarterbacks, I mean, it's like, it's like getting married and being like the next day, ah, you know what? I'm not sure about this one. You know, you start pointing out all the flaws and the red flags. Like, well, you just married her. You're him. Well, you, well, you can't bail already. You got to put some work into this and figure out, you know, you make sure you, you try everything before you determine that it's not going to work and you've got to move on. Um, and so maybe we give Tua some grace as he's played pretty good football of late. Um, this one, my next one, I just am at a loss, uh, literally and figuratively. I, I took the Eagles minus three against the Giants. Every time I take them, they don't cover. Every time I take them and say, you know what, they are competitive. They have been playing better football of late. And so I said, there's no way I'm taking the Giants here against an Eagles team that has been good. So like the, it's not like I'm even taking an Eagles team that had been struggling. They just they smoked the Saints last week. They smoked the Broncos the week before. Narrowly lost to the Chargers, almost beat them. The week before that, they'd smoked the Lions 44 to 6. They'd won three of four and were close to winning all four. Why on earth would you not take them against the Giants? 
at minus th- or at minus three. Felt like a no-brainer. It absolutely wasn't. Jalen Hurts was terrible. Uh, laid an absolute egg in this one. Wasn't like Dale Jones did much, but Jalen Hurts, 14 of 31, a buck 29, no touchdowns, and three picks. A couple of them coming in the red zone, taking points off the board for the Eagles. Jalen Rager, oh boy, last three plays of the game, two just brutal, brutal drops um, that ultimately, Eagles wouldn't have covered if he scores a touchdown. They win 14-13 at that point, um, but they still would have won the game and the money line tickets would have been alive. Uh, Jalen Rager, who only caught two of his seven targets for 31 yards, said, you know what? Nope. Um, so that game was, was good for the book. 75% of the handle was on the Eagles against the spread. Um, understandably. So I was among that 75% couple other games that were good for the books. I mentioned the Bengals minus three and a half, uh, 41 to 10, the final there, 81% of the money line dollars were on the Steelers. And again, I ask uh, that to me is shocking because I felt like this. I didn't look at the, the data, the, the the splits that we put out before making the pick, but I just felt like it was such a square. You know, granted, three and a half, you get nervous about losing by the hook, but same time, take a Bengals team that throughout the season they've been better than Pittsburgh on both sides of the football. Much more dynamic passing game, a defense that's been just as consistent, if not more so, a pass rush that's played well with Sam Humbard. Uh, Trey Hendrickson, who continues to be one of the best um, off-season acquisitions um, of this past off-season. He's been tremendous. Uh, and now they've swept Pittsburgh for the first time since 2009. Uh, T. Higgins, a big game in this one. Six catches for a buck 14 and a touchdown. And Joe Mixon has been balling of late. The dude has lived in the end zone, uh, but now he's got back-to-back games He's lived in the end zone all season, but now he's got back-to-back games with 120-plus rushing yards. Yesterday, it was 28 carries uh, for a career-high 165 yards and two scores. He's also got eight touchdowns in his last four games. He scored a touchdown um, in eight straight games, and uh, he's got a touchdown in nine of 11 contests this year. Like I said, the man has lived in the end zone. This Bengals team is right in the thick of it. After a couple games skid, where they lost that embarrassing game uh, to the Jets. As of now, they are the five seed, and they are only one game back of Baltimore with that head-to-head matchup in hand. So still a couple weeks yet before we get to uh, Ravens-Bengals round two. But it looks like these Bengals are headed for the playoffs, which would be a whole lot of fun. They're at seven and four. Uh, the Patriots at minus seven, they keep rolling. They smack the Titans at home, 36-13 to 13 again. Very curious um, how 52% of the money line tickets were on Tennessee. I understand they've beat good teams this year, but at some point the injuries become too great. You look at a team like Baltimore that suffered so many injuries. Lamar Jackson is just a, he's an MVP type player to where Ryan Tannehill isn't. And Ryan Tannehill, when the pieces are around him, I, I believe a very good quarterback. He could do so much worse than Ryan Tannehill, which is why he got that big extension. But you lose your identity in Derrick Henry. You lose Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. You're just too limited, and the the margin for error becomes so small. Uh, Three fumbles, though, for the Titans yesterday or on Sunday. Um, They had five fumbles but lost three of them. Uh, And the Patriots are just a team that doesn't make mistakes. Mac Jones, 310 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. How about the offseason acquisition of Kendrick Bourne? Five catches, 61 yards, two touchdowns. He's a guy I know well, an undrafted free agent out of Eastern Washington. Um, Cooper Cup was the prize. He was, that was, they were teammates for the Eagles out in Cheney, Washington. 
And everyone talked about Cooper Cup for good reason, who ends up going in the second round. Kendrick Bourne goes undrafted, gets picked up by the Niners. And he was this sort of, he had raw talent, but had a lot of drops. And he was sort of this specialized in the red zone, quick slant, beat you off the ball and, and score a touchdown. Now you're looking at, this is a complete receiver and a guy that, you know, you look at the yards after the catch, you had a 40 yard touchdown on Sunday where he's breaking tackles, tight roping up the sideline, finding the end zone. His season has been tremendous. 42 catches, 623 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, he's averaging 14.8 yards per catch. What's more impressive to me, he's allowing 11.8 yards per target. That's a 79.2 catch rate uh, in terms of uh, his targets resulting in receptions. He has been absolutely tremendous. This Titans team is tough. They're now eight and four. They could still hang around and, and, and win. Well, they, they still might win the division because they beat the Colts twice. The Colts can't get out of their own way. The injuries just you would think are too much, which is going to be frustrating because you're going to leave the, the leading uh, receiver for the Titans yesterday had 25 yards. I mean, it was that bad. Ryan Tannehill had a 93 yards passing. I mean, and even when, I mean, that's just not what we're used to seeing from him or this offense as a whole. And you're going to end up looking back if you're a Titans fan saying, gosh, what could have been? Because I don't know if they were ever going to be a favorite in the AFC. The betting markets never really reflected their run of five straight wins over, over playoff teams from a year ago. They never really got the respect in the futures market. Um, I think Vegas always sort of thought that they were frauds a bit. Um, but at the same time, you can't look back on this season and feel like you have any sort of strong indication of what this team was capable of and what the ceiling might've been when they lose so many guys, basically all of their key offensive pieces. Um, so that's tough. And I feel for Titans fans. Um, meanwhile, the Patriots continue to roll and next Monday night Patriots, um, getting three points at the bills. That is going to be a primetime matchup that is must-see TV. Uh, the Bills coming off of a dominant win on Thursday night um, against the Saints. Uh, let's go to the Packers against the Rams, another game that was good for the book. 36-28, uh, the final at Lambeau. The Packers were getting two points here. They end up winning outright by eight. The Rams are a mess. They've now lost three in a row. And during that three-game losing streak, Matthew Stafford, has six total turnovers, five picks, one fumble. The defense continues to be largely punchless. Vaughn Miller has not been a factor at all. I know he didn't play the first game um, in that stretch, but he's played the most recent two, and I watched that game in its entirety. And they show him in between plays and say, this is Vaughn Miller. It's just not materializing right now. And so the Rams, you look on paper, you feel like they've, they've got to figure it out at some point, but at the same time, the turnovers have to be cleaned up and some of it's turnover luck. That's a real thing. And they also lost two fumbles, you know, Stafford had the pick. They also lost two fumbles. Um, they also had a fumbled punt. So they gave the Packers some, some short fields. Um, you know, you look at Aaron Rod, the, the first touchdown drive for the Packers, three plays, six yards. The second one, a field goal, four plays, three yards. Uh, so there wasn't a whole lot going for the Packers early, um, but they figured out late. Aaron Rodgers, 307 yards, two touchdowns. Um, Randall Cobb, big game, 95 yards and a touchdown, atoning for a fumbled punt himself. Lots of muffed punts and fumbled punts in general um, or kick returns, whatever. Tons of special teams turnovers between the college game and the pro games this weekend. Devontae Adams, 
such a monster. Eight catches on nine targets for a buck, uh, a buck four. Um, the Packers are, are dominant right now. Matt LaFleur might be their front runner for coach of the year at nine and three, certainly in the top three, probably alongside Bill Belichick and Cliff Kingsbury. Um, but the Packers continue to roll an impressive win against the Rams who are trying to find a, uh, if you look at what's up next for the Rams in, in terms of forecasting, are they going to figure it out? They should have a get right game next week, hosting the Jags. They should be able to figure it out against the Jags. Odell Beckham did have a touchdown um, on that afternoon window yesterday, the, a long uh, pass from Stafford, but he's banged up. You see him wincing on the sideline, he's limping around, his back is hurting. Reports come out that Matthew Stafford's been dealing with injuries all season long. So while I want to say that they're going to be okay, I, I do think there are legitimate causes for concern right now um, with the Rams. Again, particularly just that the defensive line. Um, I mean, you, you would think that the, the combination, the trio of Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald, and Vaughn Miller would be absolutely dominant, and it just hasn't been the case. That hasn't materialized over these first three weeks. Again, they're still 7-4. and four. The wild card is, is certainly in, in their grasp. Very interested to see what happens uh, the rest of the way for the Rams. Um, a game that was notably bad for the book. Uh, he sent a couple. Matoy sent us a couple, one being uh, the Falcons um, winning. Uh, but, like, who cares? We don't need to talk about that game. Um, credit to you if you, uh, if you bet the Falcons to beat the Jags and you won some money off it. Similarly, if you bet the Jets to beat the Texans. Uh, that was a game that was good for the book because most people were on the Texans. Shout out to all my DJs out there who thought, you know what, I have a strong enough feeling about either of these games to put my hard-earned money on. Uh, if you won, you earned it. If you lost, you earned that too. <laughs> I stayed away from both. Uh, I do my best to never bet games with bad teams. Um, but a uh, game that was bad for the book, uh, the Bucks covering, uh, winning, but also covering against the Colts. That game was, uh, the line was set at minus three. Uh, and the Colts had every opportunity to win this game. They had five turnovers, four of them coming in the second half with the Bucks having 24 points off those turnovers. And this has really been the story of the Colts season. Maybe outside of week one against the Seahawks where they got beat up pretty good. Outside of that, you've got the Rams game twice against the Titans, the Ravens, and then the Bucks as games that were all not just winnable, but, but certainly in the case of the second Titans game, Certainly in the case of the Ravens primetime game where Lamar Jackson had that heroic comeback, but really only happened because of turnovers and then special teams mishaps for Indianapolis. And now this Bucks game has got to be frustrating for Indy fans. They've got to be one of the best six and six football teams I've ever seen. They lead the league in turnover differential, which is impressive, despite the fact they had those five yesterday. Carson Wentz, his two interceptions were 50-50 balls. Um, both to Michael Pittman. One was the last play of the game. The one before was uh, just an insane play by Antoine Winfield uh, to go up and get it. Uh, a little bit underthrown, but but a heck of a defensive play nonetheless. Um, fumbles were a huge story. Wentz had one. Talk about muffed punts. Naeem Hines muffed a punt, and Zach Pascal also lost a fumble. So they just couldn't get out of their own way. The Bucs weren't dominant in this game. Tom Brady, just 226 passing yards, a touchdown, one pick. Leonard Fournette was the story. He had 100 yards on the ground, three touchdowns, also added one through the air. Rob Gronkowski, the big, the big receiving threat, 123 on seven catches. But you look at, if I told Colts fans, say, hey, on Sunday, 
Y'all are going to limit Chris Godwin and Mike Evans to 40 total yards on seven catches. They'd say, wow, we won by four scores. And that's what you would think. Having watched this game, I think it's fair to say they outplayed the Bucs. Um, Jonathan Taylor, 83 yards and a touchdown, basically didn't get used in the third quarter. So I think if you're looking at from a game planning standpoint and a coaching standpoint, how do you get away from him in the third quarter? Because the second they got back to him, he had a four-yard touchdown run that capped the drive. That was 10 plays, 75 yards. Essentially, all of those 75 yards were Jonathan Taylor on the ground uh, gashing Tampa for that entire drive. That Colts, uh, again, got to be um, you know kind of kicking themselves for not finding a way to win that game. I still maintain that they're, they're going to be a problem. They might not win the AFC, but they're not going to be fun to play for anybody. Um, and they've got good wins on their resume to prove it. Obviously, last week against the Bills proves that, and they, they easily could have beat the Bucks here. So um, a, a team to watch. I, I, I like the Colts a lot. Um, it's just frustrating when they should be in first in their division. Uh, and instead, they're a, a couple of games back. And not only that, they're a couple games back. Um, and and lose the tiebreaker, the head-to-head tiebreaker against the Titans. So um, one final game, have to mention uh, the Sunday night game uh, with the Ravens beating the Browns and what was one of the uglier games that we've seen this season. In fact, I think it might have been the ugliest game we've seen outside of the Ravens Thursday night game a couple of weeks ago against the Dolphins. Uh, This one may have been worse, particularly at the end of that. There were five turnovers collectively in the first half. Um, and the end of the first half is just back and forth teams giving away the football. Uh, here's this for a stat, the Ravens who were three point favorites. So ultimately that, that last Justin Tucker field goal helps, uh, Baltimore betters cover and cash those tickets. The Ravens are the first team, sorry. Yeah. The only team in the Super Bowl era to score fewer than 17 points have fewer than 325 yards, total offense, throw at least four or more interceptions, uh, than their opponent. And yet still win the game. Teams with those numbers were 0 and uh, uh, 0 and 275 and 1. Zero wins, 275 losses, one tie in the Super Bowl era. Now there's a win in that column with the Ravens winning this game. Lamar Jackson was horrific, 165 yards, a touchdown to Mark Andrews, and four picks. Uh, the one touchdown came to Mark Andrews. All four interceptions came when targeting Mark Andrews. But a lot of them were just bad decisions. Bad throws, um, just inexcusable for a, a former MVP winner and a guy who's a veteran in this league now. Uh, his defense picked him up in a big way, which turns us to Baker Mayfield as I rub my temples on this one. My toxic trait when it comes to my biggest toxic trait in sports is being a Mariners fan because that speaks for itself. Longest playoff drought in sports. It's not a very fun existence. My, my biggest football toxic trait is just wanting Baker Mayfield to be an elite quarterback and just not being able to accept that he's not. I love Baker. I've loved him since he was the winning the Heisman, uh, at Oklahoma. Uh, you know, I had a lot of, when that first came out, the, uh, and he grabs his junk at, during the, the game. What was it? Like giving against, uh, like Kansas. I can't remember who it was, but it was, you know, they don't shake his hand before the game. They, they're talking smack all game. They're chirping at him. Uh, they deliver a couple of late hits and get flagged for it. And they just get torched by this guy. And I loved it. I love the swag. I love the fire. I love Baker. And he's a great actor. His commercials are good. Sorry. I enjoy all of them. Um, 
but he was just dreadful again. 18 of 37, 247 yards, uh, one touchdown, um, but did lose a fumble. The dude's tough as hell, and he's playing through injuries, and I respect him for it, winning all the tough guy points. But when your defense gets four picks, two sacks, plus 16 points to the, the you know your division rival on the road, you got to win that football game. You got to find a way. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt were no shows. Jarvis Landry had a big game, six catches for a buck eleven, uh, but did lose a fumble. Uh, Browns, man, six and six. I think you look at like the Browns have been. It feels like they've been surviving outside of the Bengals game. They've been like surviving and scratching and clawing their way to six and six, where the Colts have tripped their way to six and six. Um, so a great kind of comparison there of two teams that, for me, are are very different in terms of what they're capable and what their ceiling is. I think it's time for me to finally accept that the Browns are well. Still the Browns. All right, let's get to previewing Monday Night Football, uh, a game with the Seahawks and the Washington football team. Uh, but first, we've got a promo for you. That's our Bet 5 Win 400 promo. Again, that's Bet $5 to Win 400, only for new users. So you create your WinBet account. You bet $5 on any spread, total, or money line of odds of minus 120 or greater, and you win $400 in free bets if it cashes. Head to WinBet.com or download the WinBet app for more details which is a perfect segue into Monday Night Football because as this game is a pick you can choose either side. And if you're right, you cash this promo, $5 to win $400. let us dive into what's happening here on Monday Night Football. It's the Seahawks on the road against the Washington football team. This game opened at Seahawks minus 3.5 and, and has been immediately bet down all the way to the Seahawks being a pick They are still a slight favorite um, if you look at just the line as they are minus uh, 115. And the Washington football team is minus 105. So a little bit more value on the Washington line. But I understand why this has moved. The Seahawks don't deserve to get three and a half points against anyone, let alone on the road. Um, Washington's been historically bad on primetime in recent years. The Seahawks have been historically good, um, especially with Russell Wilson at the helm. But this offense remains broken, period. They've been bad. In the two games since Russell Wilson returned, they got shut out against the Packers, and they only scored 13 points uh, against the Cardinals, and the one score was a garbage-time touchdown late in that game. Russell Wilson hasn't thrown a touchdown in the two games he's been back. And this goes back to last year. This offense was broken the second half of last year, and that playoff loss at home to the Rams. So this isn't anything that's new. We've largely been watching this movie for the better part of a full season now when you combine the two. So... Yeah, in the case of two bad pass defenses, I'm not quite sure where this game goes. Genuinely, I'm just at a loss. I think Taylor Heineke's played great of late. They've won two big games in a row. Washington, all of a sudden, after really an embarrassing start, has kind of uh, righted the ship a bit with back-to-back wins, beating Carolina 27-21, and then the week prior, beating the Bucks 29-19. Taylor Heineke's been impressive of late. Um, you know, I think... My thing with Heineke is he's obviously impressive from an athletic standpoint. Um, and I think that, you know, he's a guy who's going to be entertaining and productive in spurts, but I just didn't trust the decision-making. I didn't trust that the negative plays wouldn't be there. And if you look over this, yeah, you can't call it a winning streak or this, you know, they've won two in a row. Winning streak starts at three. Shout out to everyone who's seen major league in their lifetime. You know, I'm dating myself maybe a bit, um, but when you get to three, they call it a winning streak. Chance to do that against Seattle tonight. But in these two games, four touchdowns um, and uh, and no interceptions and much more efficient. The, the, the 
completion percentage has jumped from, you know, anywhere from 67 down to 60, uh, up to 81 against the Bucks and 73% against Carolina. So, um, again, the efficiency is there, and more importantly, the negative plays aren't there. there when I think about Taylor Heine, he, he can be a game manager. I think we have such a negative connotation for game managers. You can win a lot of football games with game managers. I understand that everyone wants an elite franchise guy, but there just aren't many of those that exist on planet Earth. But if you have a game manager who has a little bit of a clutch factor and can come through for you in big moments, as Taylor Heineke has done these last two games, and avoids negative plays, you can deal with that. Especially if you have a defense that can play competent football. In these last couple of games, Washington's defense has been far more competent than they had the first half of the season. Really, you go back to the Denver game, only allowing 17 points to Denver, and even Green Bay at 24 there. Um, so this is a team that is on the rise and is, is certainly in the mix in the NFC wildcard picture, a wildcard picture that is an absolute mess. Um, Washington at four and six, only one. They, they win this game. They're then at five and six, and they will be one. They will be tied with Minnesota for the seventh seed in the NFC playoffs. Seahawks win this game. They'll be one game back of the seventh seed in the NFC playoffs. Uh, the Rams and Niners, Niners, another ascending team who have been hot of late, uh, have the five and sixth seeds uh, respectively. So this game is hard to predict. I, 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 to me, my gut says Washington just because they've been playing better of late. And I just don't know how to predict that the Seahawks offense is magically going to figure it out when they've been largely broken for the better part of a full season. All right, so let's close this out with my winning pick. And I, I mentioned how uh, this game to me is just, it's impossible to know where it's going to go. I lean Washington because they've been better of late. And I don't want to bank on the Seahawks offense magically figuring it out, even though they've been largely broken for the better part of a full season. Now, when you go back to last year, so I'm staying away from the Seahawks side. I'm staying away from Seahawks player props. Um, and I'm going to go with what I do feel comfortable predicting, predicting and betting on. And that's the Seahawks defense that ranks 30th against the pass. You get gashed in the passing game, uh, which is why I'm taking Terry McLaurin over 65 and a half receiving yards at minus 115. He put up a five, uh, five catch performance for 103 yards and a score against the Panthers last week. Uh, if you look at the Seahawks defense in the last couple of weeks, Zach Ertz and AJ Green to the Cardinals both eclipsed this number a week ago. And the week before that, Devontae Adams reached this plateau. Um, and then his teammates, AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones, were also just a few yards shy. So I feel confident in a team's best playmaker. And, and Terry McLaurin, to me, is a bona fide number one in this league, being able to be productive. 65 yards, meaning you what? So we need 66 to win. That's not even that big of a game. I believe that Terry McLaurin will get there against a largely hapless Seahawks defense. If you listen to this podcast before the game kicks off, um, come find me on Twitter spaces at halftime of that game. Um, be hanging out there as I do each and every Monday night. Um, and it should be a fun one. Seahawks games are never dull. Even if they're not playing well, uh, Seahawks games, particularly on primetime, are usually ones to remember for the most bizarre of reasons. Uh, that's going to do it here for us. Um, again, want to wish uh, my friend and co-host Claudia Bellafato to get well soon. Hope to see her back on Thursday so she can drive the bus um, as she does so well each and every week. Um, we're also, we don't know yet who the guest is going to be, but we're going to talk college football because it's going into championship weekend in college football and, and finally getting 
the field of four set for the college football playoff, which matchups will have the biggest bearing on which teams are going to be in and which teams are going to be out. Right now, I think Georgia is the only team written in pen among those four. So lots to discuss with the NFL's Week 13 coming up, as well as a huge weekend in college football. Until then, I'm Joe Fan. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you Thursday right here on Bet to Win.